I'm Joe Mayers, and this is Think Forever. This week, we'll be finishing the story of Perpetua and Felicity. If you're just joining us for the first time, welcome. And I recommend you go back and listen to last week's episode before continuing with this one. Episode 2, Eternal Weight of Glory, Part 2. Felicity had never seen darkness like this. Amilcar's warning of hell on earth proved true. The dungeon was just a big hole in the ground... The only way in or out was through a small hatch above their heads. No windows, no doors, just pure darkness. There were bodies everywhere, too many to count. Rats, feces, and urine covered the floor. The smell was so foul and suffocating that Felicity vomited the moment the hatch slammed shut. Ah! An enraged fellow prisoner screamed. He proceeded to curse Felicity with every harsh word he could find in his vocabulary. It was so dark Felicity couldn't see that she had retched all over him. I'm so... Felicity attempted to apologize. Suddenly a burst of intense pain knocked the air out of Felicity's lungs as she received the blunt force of his fist in the side of her bulging belly. Once. Twice. Three times. Dizzy. Felicity collapsed to the ground, sobbing. Her stomach contracted and cramped as she curled up in a ball, overwhelmed by how helpless she was to protect this child from the horrors of this world, even while it was in the womb. The days and nights were indistinguishable in the dungeon. They slowly or quickly slipped by. Time was inconceivable in there. The only food provided for the prisoners came from whatever friends and family felt compelled to bring. Satyrus and some of the deacons in the church came regularly. One day, the hatch opened and Satyrus called down to his disciples. Come, I've paid the guards a pretty penny to give you some respite in the courtyard. Satyrus stretched out his hand and pulled each friend up into the blinding sunlight blinking and squinting as their eyes readjusted to the light. As they made their way to the courtyard, the faintest sound of a baby's cry echoed down the corridor. Perpetua gasped. Stumbling down the hall as fast as she could, Perpetua turned the corner to find her mother cradling baby Milo against her chest. He's hardly fed since you've parted ways, my love, her mother shared. Felicity watched as Perpetua scooped Milo up in her arms. He was so small, like a feather, wispy and light, and as fragile and delicate as a flower petal. So insignificant, but he sure had lungs to overcompensate for his small frame. He screamed in desperation. Perpetua plopped herself on the floor and began to feed. Milo sucked and gulped as if his life depended on it, ravenously hungry. 
Weeping with joy, she cried out, Today this dungeon has become for me a palace. Felicity smiled for the first time in days. Perpetua's joy was contagious. For the next hour, Perpetua cuddled and cooed and delighted in every new facial expression and gurgle Milo made. It felt like it had only been minutes when the guards came to take them back to the dungeon. No, wait, I'm not ready, Perpetua begged as she clung to Milo with a fierce grip. It is time, the guards spat. Don't make us question our generosity. Monica tenderly pried Milo out of Perpetua's arms as she wailed. Felicity looked at the scene in front of her in horror, knowing it was only a mere foreshadowing of what would one day be her reality. Securely detained in the darkness again, Felicity cradled Perpetua in her arms, stroking her long, curly black hair in her lap as she rocked her back and forth. Perpetua, I see how much you're hurting. How do you keep doing this? Felicity asked. Your father said just say the word and you'd be out of here. It's one thing for me to remain. My child is with me, but for you, you're forever separated. Felicity's voice was laced with anxiety, fearing for the day she would have to make the same difficult decision. I had a dream the other night, Perpetua sighed between quick, shaky breaths. In the dream, I'm climbing this bronze ladder stretching straight to heaven. At the foot of the ladder lay a dragon. It was enormous and would attack those who tried to climb up. Satyrus was just ahead of me, and when he arrived at the top, he looked back and said, Hurry, Perpetua, wait until you see what I see. Just take care, do not let the dragon bite you. He will not harm me, I said, in the name of Christ Jesus. Slowly, as though he were afraid of me, the dragon stuck his head out from underneath the ladder. I used his big snout as my first step, leaving the dragon's nose bruised and aching. When I finally reached the top Felicity, I saw this immense garden, and in it was a man with gray hair and shepherd's garb, milking sheep. There were thousands standing around him, all dressed in white. He raised his head, looked at me, and smiled the most familiar smile. I'm glad you have come, my child. He called me over to him and gave me a mouthful of the milk he was drawing, and I took it into my cupped hands and drank. Everyone around us said, Amen. At the sound of this word, I woke up with the taste of something sweet still in my mouth. I didn't want the dream to end. I knew in that moment that I may have to suffer in this life, but eternity will be sweeter than any light or momentary affliction the Lord allows for me here. Tears ran down Felicity's cheeks as she considered the thought. She wanted to be there so badly, yet she couldn't shake the one thing still nagging at her heart. Perpetua, everything you say makes me long for heaven more and more by the day, and yet I still can't shake the fact that God has given me this child, this precious child that I haven't even met yet and he intends to take my life before I even get to offer them my breast or cradle them in my arms. How can this be good? Perpetua nodded. I know the ache you are feeling, my sister. I struggle with those very same questions. How can this be good?
And if there were no heaven, if there were no savior, if there were no eternity on the other side of this, it would be the tragedy of all tragedies. But Jesus gave us a glimpse of where he is taking us, so we know there is hope. It will not always be this way. Tell me what it is like, Perpetua, because I'm having a hard time seeing it as better than all the good things we have here, Felicity admitted. He is bringing us to a place where God will dwell with us. He will be with us forever, and he will wipe away every tear from our eyes, and he will put an end to death. Perpetua, now filled with passion, sat up. There will be no mourning, no crying, no pain anymore. And we will find ourselves in a new city. A city that has no need for sun because of the glory of our God. I want to be there. I want to see his face and sing from the top of my lungs and enjoy everlasting peace. When I ponder what's to come, I can't help but beg the Lord to hasten the day. For the first time in a long time, Felicity felt peace. Perpetua was right. Sure, there would be a lot of excruciating goodbyes to the things of this world, but this would not be the end. It was only the beginning of something more beautiful than either of them could comprehend. A few short days later, the guards escorted the prisoners to the hearing, where the five friends proudly professed their faith in Jesus Christ, and they were sentenced to death. Amilcar was in the crowd of spectators, holding baby Milo in his arms in an attempt to persuade his daughter to reconsider. Recant, my child, he cried. Recant. Just say the word and you can come home. Milo needs you. Perpetua stared straight ahead, refusing to make eye contact with her father. I promise you this, my child. After this day, you will never see us again. Felicity watched Perpetua's face, stoic and unmoved, but her eyes revealed all her emotion as they flooded with tears. That was the last day she would ever see her son. In the late summer, Felicity welcomed a healthy baby girl. Her labor was long and painful, but never had Felicity been so convinced that pain was good. The moment her daughter wailed her first cry, Perpetua leaned over to Felicity and whispered, Your girl has been blessed with the same passion as you. She's going to do all right in this world. Felicity believed it. She had peace that God had equipped her daughter with everything she would need to endure what was coming for her, just as he had for herself. Felicity handed her baby girl into the hands of Asaya, a deaconess from their church, and turned away, wiping her lingering tears from her eyes. It felt as if she had lost an appendage. The severing was excruciating. These light and momentary afflictions are preparing me for the full weight of glory yet to be revealed, she rehearsed to herself. There was so much pain but all of it would be eclipsed by glory. Now she knew she was ready to die.
The day of their execution arrived on one of the most sweltering days of the year. The air sizzled, and the earth baked under the sun's harsh rays. The five prisoners mopped at the sweat slinking down their necks as they made their way to the amphitheater. The closer they got to their destination, the more vocal local passers-by were of their distaste for the Christians. Shouting, cursing, jeering, spitting. The five friends smiled joyfully in response, knowing full well this was not the day of their defeat, but the day of their victory. Felicity, still recovering from childbirth, left a trail of blood behind her as they walked the streets, like a red carpet laid out for the martyrs to walk down like royalty. Though in pain, she didn't flinch for a moment. When they arrived at the gates, the organizer of the games and a few other officials greeted them and escorted them into the arena before Hilarius, the governor. Saturninus and Secundulus took the opportunity to gesture to Hilarius using hand motions to communicate. You have condemned us, but God will condemn you. The crowds roared in outrage as they looked on and began to chant, Scourge them! Scourge them! Scourge them! The prisoners were quickly lined up, back turned toward a long row of gladiators with whips in their hands. With each lick of the whip, the five friends shouted and cried, not in a voice of agony, but a voice of passion. Perpetua shouted, What a privilege we have to experience a taste of the sufferings of our Messiah. Felicity then joined in. He could have any moment put an end to his pain, but he refused for the joy of reconciling us to himself. Let us not forget the glory this pain brings to our God. Their backs bloodied and mutilated, the prisoners winced as they exited the arena to prepare for their execution. The three men went first. They walked into the arena filled with leopards and bears, meant to tear each man to shreds. But each man came out with a smattering of injuries, yet still alive. Now it was Felicity and Perpetua's turn. Take off your clothing, commanded one of the officials. Excuse me? Felicity balked. You heard me. Take off your clothing. When the women refused, the official and his colleague took the matter into their own hands, stripping their tunics over their heads and ripping at their undergarments until both women were down to nothing. Their bodies trembled in horror as both women were swiftly pushed out into the arena. Felicity felt the wet, sticky drip of her breast milk flowing down her stomach as she stared at the once rambunctious crowd, now silent in disgust at the sight of such a poor, delicate woman thrust into such a humiliating situation. The organizer of the games, who had been snickering all day over how funny this plot twist would be, quickly gathered that no one else shared his humor, and he promptly ushered the women back inside to get clothed for their execution. For the two women, their match was a heifer. A heifer? Not a lion or a panther or even a bear? Really? A heifer? Questioned Perpetua, disappointedly. But as the women set foot in the arena, they soon realized that an innocent-looking heifer could do some damage. The heifer swiftly tossed Perpetua up into the air. Her body slammed to the ground with such momentum that she could hear her shoulder cracking on impact. Sitting upright, 
she spit a mouthful of blood on the ground next to her. Perpetua asked one of the guards, Can I please have a hairpin? I want to be sure I look dignified in my dying. Out of pity or guilt, the soldier promptly obliged. By the time Perpetua had composed herself, she noticed Felicity sprawled out on the other side of the arena, having been crushed underneath the full weight of the heifer. Perpetua ran over. One of Felicity's arms was dislocated, and one of her legs was contorted in a strange direction. With her good arm, she reached out for Perpetua to pull her up. The two women stood side by side, hand in hand, crushed, but not defeated. After five unsuccessful attempts to bring the prisoners to their deaths, the crowd demanded death by the sword. Of their own accord, the five friends limped confidently to the middle of the arena. Perpetua called out to the crowd, knowing full well there were many Christians peppered throughout. You must all stand fast in the faith and love one another, and do not be weakened by what we have gone through, but see our joy in our Lord and Savior, and be encouraged. The five friends huddled in the middle of the arena, offering hugs and kissing one another goodbye. This is it, said Felicity with a voice full of enthusiasm to her friends. We shall see his face in just a moment, and all of this will be done. Each prisoner took the sword silently, eyes fixed ahead, without struggle or resistance. Felicity held Perpetua's hand as the soldier cleanly thrust the sword through her neck. Her hand went limp in Perpetua's hold, and her body slumped to the ground by her side. The last one was Perpetua. She smiled as she gazed ahead, full of joy that her sister was no longer suffering. The guard took two heavy steps forward and with brute force thrust the sword directly into Perpetua's clavicle, unsuccessfully stabbing her. Perpetua let out a growling scream as blood slowly trickled down the front of her tunic. Then she wrapped her hands around the gladiators and, taking hold of the hilt, thrust the sword through her neck. Her body collapsed alongside her best friend, a slight smile still curled at her lips. Finally, they were in paradise. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Think Forever podcast. The story was written by Alyssa Pobletti and performed by me, Joe Mayers. If you're enjoying the show, we would love it if you would leave us a five-star review. It's so helpful as we try to reach even more people with these stories, and I'll be selecting one of those to read next week on our behind-the-scenes episode. So if you'd like to hear your review read out, leave us a five-star review, and make sure you listen in next week when I'm joined by author Alyssa Pobletti to dive into her story, Eternal Weight of Glory. Thank you again for listening, and I'll see you next time.